You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome in everybody to another episode of the Double Switch Podcast. My name is Mike Curlin and I'm your host. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. And today I'm joined by Zach of Fake Teams and Joe Gentile of Fake Teams. You can follow Zach on Twitter at Zach Roto. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Gentile FT. Gentlemen, welcome into the show and how is everybody doing? Doing good. Hey Mike. Hey Mike. Joe. It's another day of us talking on together, Zach. This is becoming a, a weird habit. It's a guilty pleasure. Coming on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's starting to feel like a full time job. I know, and the best part, we don't get paid. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, God, gotta love that. <laughs> we do it for the love of it, uh, Joe. I'm just glad you get to join us this time, buddy. Because I know last time there was a little bit of uh, technical difficulties. So, well, still had technical difficulties today, but at least I finally got on. Yeah. Well, before we get started, this is uh, episode 15, and we're just going to talk about a few of our sleeper picks. Now, we all have more than three, but we're going to limit it to three each, trying to keep it relatively uh, less than two hours like the last one. (laughs) Uh, But before we jump into our sleepers, I will give you a chance, Joe. I know you. we talked about it on Twitter, and you were upset you couldn't defend them last episode. So, (laughs) Tommy Edmond, Vogelbach, Vogelbach, however you say his damn name, I will let you have a moment to speak about them because I know that you love these guys. Yeah, Vogelbach, um, I really like him. Obviously, the power and the play discipline is for real. And um, he doesn't have a lot of swing and miss for a guy with his amount of power. Um, the X stats really still kind of don't like him, but this is a guy that over the past three to four years, he's like changed his swing every year. Um, and he's slowly been changing it for more and more power. And uh, I think next year we see him make an adjustment to kind of offset some of that bad bit uh, he had this past season. Because uh, this is a guy that used to have like over 300 bad bits in the minor leagues, and they started his swing change for the power. And then now I think he's going to kind of change a little bit back and hopefully become, hopefully not hit 208 this season. Hmm. And that's the thing, though. I'm looking at his profile a little bit, and the, first of all, the wall, OBP leagues, he's like a solid sleeper for sure, which kind of goes into being a sleeper, but he didn't make this list today. But I was just like, just looking at his profile, I'm surprised he has such a high strikeout rate with the nose swing of 22%, which is by, like, you know, about 10% above league average almost, about nine, and then a swing strike rate of only 8.6%. So, I mean, it doesn't, almost, it almost doesn't make sense. Like, this was his last year's numbers that, I don't understand why he strikes out so much. He must be overly patient, gets a lot of called strikes on him. Yeah, he, he is really patient. Um, 34% swing rate is uh, yeah, I, I probably one of the lowest in the major leagues, if not the lowest. Um, 
because usually the, I think the average is like 45-ish. So he's very, very, if not too patient. So it makes sense why his strikeout rate would be what it is. But I just really hope – I think we might see some adjustments next season. I mean, it doesn't – it shouldn't take much for him to see that if he swing – if he's more aggressive, it probably will pay off for him. Yeah. I, hate, I, I hate that I might have just bought into Vogel. Gosh, <laughs> this is what happens when I look into a player. Like I, I can, I can totally buy into him in a, in a fifteen teamer and whatnot for sure. Late round corner infielder, utility bench bat, whatever. But I know you're, I know you're bigger, higher almost than Tommy Edmond, and I think talking to you about him really skewed my idea of him because I'm in a, I'm in a uh, mock draft right now, fifteen teamer, and last I looked, it was. It was uh, 150 picks in, and he still wasn't taken. And I wanted him, but I didn't have the need for the speed on this specific team. So what is it about Tommy Edmond? Like, I know why you like him, but let everybody else know what you're like, why you're so high on him. I mean, obviously, the speed is the one thing that sticks out with him. Uh, A guy that can steal 30 bases is valuable in his own right. But then when he came up last season, uh, he had – I believe he was on pace for about 20 home runs and had a 33% hard contact rate, which ranks really low in the percentile. That's the 20th percentile, but it's also kind of skewed because this season, the average hard contact rate is about 40%. So um, in years past, like three, four years ago, the average hard contact rate was only 30. So he would have had above average. power back then and even though it's only the 20th percentile it's still good enough to get the 20 home runs um he needs so a 20 30 guy that can hit 280 is really valuable that's um let me try and see someone um that that might be around in my rankings that no exactly it's like whit merrifield it's like a cheap cheap whit merrifield that's that's uh I think that's a very good comp, like a poor man's Whit Merrifield, but potentially more stolen base upside because because of the fact that Whit didn't even run. Well, he only had twenty stolen bases this year. I don't know what's going on with Whit. I haven't really looked into his sprint speed or anything, but or yeah. success rate. I don't know if he was playing hurt. I had very minimal Whit shares, so I didn't follow to him too closely. Yeah, but, and it's probably more power with Edmund too, just because Whit plays in uh, Kansas City, which is terrible for. Uh, or power. Um, so maybe Whit Merrifield's the poor man's Tommy Edmond. Ooh, bold take. Not sure I, <laughs> I'm not sure I agree with that, but bold take. <laughs> Zach, you haven't chimed in. I don't know if you have any opinions or rather either way, to be honest, but well, I don't know. Whit, we were we were all over Whit, I thought, at the beginning of last year because he had the first base eligibility. Um in but Yahoo um, leagues, uh, oddly I, yeah, in <laughs> Yahoo. Um no, I'm not I'm not too, I'm not in on Edmund like uh, Joe is. Um, Wit, the question, yeah, the question of the wit is, is, is his stolen bases going to going to resurface uh, to the 2018 levels, or is he? Is this sort of, now? Yeah, yeah. Is he? Is he? Yeah. Is it? He's because he's not going to be a top um, two or three round player if he's only going to steal 20 bases with even even with a good average and, and a decent pop for a for a speedster. You know, he's more of a round five six guy in that case. And and I guess and does that beg the question? Is Edmund around five or six guy? Um, the way we're talking about him, 
I think he's going to be a fringe. He should be a – I'm going to have a hard time putting him top 100 personally, I think. But I think you wouldn't be wrong if you had him in your top 100. I'm just, again, I'm seeing – right now I just pulled up that draft and Edmund still hasn't been taken. Again, I think a lot of it's just that he's buried in the ADP and buried in the in the in in what we have currently in draft rooms. And it's pick 177. He's still there. Like, I'm taking him next round if he's still there because I can't avoid him at that point. But – it's just, it's just like I'm wondering because this isn't uh, an analyst draft either. This was like a I'm in this with a couple guys that are analysts and a couple that are just like really diehard fans, diehard players, and it goes to show you that maybe analysts will be all over him and the hype will build because of us more than the general public being super hip to him. So, a guy like Edmund, I'm not, I'm not sure on him to be honest. And um, what I hope happens going into next year is the hype builds enough that there's. Um, minimal discounter equity uh for mm-hmm. uh t- attaining him in drafts and people are paying up for Edmund as much as players with ceiling close to his floor or uh sorry a floor close to his ceiling like billy hamilton in the past where you you would see him go for 15 20 bucks in an auction for the speed type of thing just yeah. because just because they had one stat that was elite at the time yeah something like that i can get behind i can understand that all right Enough Edmund, enough Vogelbach. Let's get to more sleepers. <laughs> so, like I said, episode 15, we're going to be highlighting three sleepers each. Who wants to go first? Eeny, meeny, miny, Joe. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's. I'll start off with uh, Nomar Mazzara. Who, yeah, I know you don't <laughs> like him. I remember seeing something last year about him. Oh, but, yeah, I dropped him in 12 yeah. seconds. This is a this is a guy I haven't really been on him in years past because he usually had an ADP I think around like the 150 range, but now his ADP is dropping outside the top 200, and uh, I think it's worth the uh, price because uh, this is a guy the pedigree is there. I mean, this is a guy that hit the farthest home run last year at the only guy to hit a home run last year over 500 feet, and then he hit another one close to 500 feet just two years ago. Um, He's got pretty good uh, batted ball data, but nothing that's going to stick out to you. So usually my sleepers are based on the data that I have available, usually StatCast data and stuff. But this guy, looking at StatCast data, it's not bad, but it's not too impressive. 270x batting average, like 40% hard contact rate. Um, But in today's game, that's just not as impressive as it used to be. But this is a guy, he's only 24 years old. He's got really impressive pedigree. I have him projected for 30 home runs and for 270 batting average next year. But this is all speculation that this is the year he puts together. It's basically like Rafael Devers last year. The peripherals weren't necessarily there for Devers, but he was young enough, he had the pedigree, and then he put it together. The next season and that's what i'm seeing with mazara that's what i'm hoping will happen i mean if there's one thing as far as the power goes obviously we all believe it's i mean it's not really showing like you said it doesn't really show in the uh in the hard hit rate and all that but i think it's undeniable when you see some of those home runs he hits and his bar- his barrel rate almost what was up to a little over two percent and it's a career it was a career high this year so if he can keep barreling the ball i think he's somebody that actually needs to work on lifting putting some more loft in his swing only a 10.7 degree uh, launch angle and his ground ball rate is really, really high. 
Yeah. His line drive rate did improve. So the batting average of 270 is actually sustainable, but he needs to hit more fly balls. With that power, he could put quite, and that, I think the ballpark's pretty favorable too. I think he, um, I think if, if he could just get a mechanical change thrown in there, it'd be a good year to take a shot on him for his price for sure. Yeah, that ballpark has that right center field, um, I guess, wind gust, I think, for lack of better terms. Um, I think he could, yeah, I think the power, there's a lot of upside uh, in the power department, and I do agree with Joe on the pedigree. Um, the, the comp to Devers is, is good. Um, the only the island concern there is that Devers had such a potent lineup to, to accumulate those runs and RBIs and all those doubles, right? So that really helped, um, that really helped on the, the, the two counting stats for runs and RBIs. I don't see that upside for Mazzara. Um, I, I do see upside in home runs, and I think his upside, like I think his main, his main upside is to maybe winning the home run derby if they let him play. Yeah, this, he's he's got another pedigree, just amazing player. But yeah, I don't think he's going to produce like Devers. I'm not expecting him to hit 311 and go off like that. But uh, <laughs> I don't see I don't I don't see Devers uh, repeating that 311 batting average. To be honest, either problems with his contact rate compared to his strikeout rate for sure. Devers is going to be someone that I'm going to have no shares of next year. He's already on my bus list because I'm like ten, seven to ten picks lower on him than than consensus at the moment. I'm the so same I, way, at least. Everybody has him close to twenty, between twenty and twenty four, twenty five ish, and I have him around. I have him around thirty to thirty five. Like I keep moving him down. I put people like Harper ahead of him. I keep putting. I put other players like that. I'm really big on. Like he's slowly creeped down a little bit just because I think this was his career year. I know it's crazy to say at 23 years old that this was Devers' career year, but I truly believe it was. You know what? I think if you're drafting, you're going to have to take him like in the second round, right? Yeah, Probably mid-second nice. mid, mid second round. And just, uh, maybe late. Maybe late second. Maybe. Okay, I, that, that's, that's going to be even more so if late second because if you're picking in the mid-second round, you're going to have to wait another, say, 12 picks to, to pick again. And if you're picking late second round and you're thinking about taking Devers, you're going to have to wait less than that. Um, so I believe that come round three, if you're picking mid or late second round, um, early third round or mid third round, you're going to get a third baseman very close to Devers because third base is so deep around this, this tier. I think people want to believe Devers turned the corner and will now be like Anthony Rendon. I think that's like what people are hopeful for. Cause it Rendon offers a high four category upside, Where's and, he going? Where's Where's Rendon going? End of first, usually end of first, early second. Oh, kind, kind okay. of like like Freeman, Freeman of last year when Freeman was going like end of first, mid mid second, like as far like mid seconds the farthest. I think I've seen, I think the farthest I've seen Rendon fall is like twenty, and that's probably farther than he'll ever fall, especially because mm. he's he's just such a high a high floor guy. You know, he'll it's gonna be it's like a Rendon, it's pretty much Rendon or like Arenado. Or, or Tatis type of thing. Yeah, that's the thing. You can pass on Arenado, take some, you know, five category upside in the first round and land on Rendon late first or, or late early second if you're lucky. But that's the thing. Like, you have to, yeah, I don't want to, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> kind of rambling. I don't, it's, it's impossible. It's pretty impossible to get both of them or to have a chance at Rendon if you pass on Arenado. But I know he's not necessarily a sleeper, but who would you rather take for next season? Bogarts or Devers? Bogarts. Bogarts. Yep, I'm the same. I just updated my rankings, and Bogarts just went ahead. The only issue, and the other yesterday, the I guess it was Zach that tech, we were texting about it. He didn't agree with initially didn't agree with Javi Baez over Bogarts, 
And I told him, typically, I would understand that, but Javi has second base eligibility, at least at the moment. That's not going to be a big enough factor to sway me um, away from Dude, Bogarts over you have not You have not looked at how deep shortstop is in comparison to how sh- uh, shallow second base is. I'm telling you. I, I, I probably I, <laughs> I, I probably haven't looked at as in-depth as you have. But, Second base uh, is ugly, dude. Still, I'm not I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to waver in favor of scarcity over substance in my in those early rounds. Well, when it's when it's when I have them as a, like I think they're pretty much back to back in my rankings. So, oh, me, give, give me give me Kevin Biggio. I'll take I'll take Kevin Biggio later on and then so I'll fill up my other spots. So so a lot, but but I can also get I can't think of a shortstop off the top of my head now, but I can get I can I can make up shortstop later on in the draft too. Shortstop is by far the deepest position probably in fantasy. Not disagreeing. I just um yeah, no, That's, I'm just not I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take Baez just because he's a second baseman over players well, that I feel are much more consistent, reliable, and better just because well, of second base. I must say, see, you're, I don't, you're always, you're, I think, in, especially in a deep league like a 15 team team league, you're always going to have, you're always going to have that position. You're not going to be able to fill it with, with a, a player you like. What, what initially. I'm, but see, I guess you're lower on Javi than I am because I think Javi at this point has proven to be who he is and he kind of offers stats across the board now. Home runs, RBIs probably won't be I mean, home runs. Yeah. I, the only thing, what? The only difference would be maybe a little bit batting average. And you're hoping – I mean, what if Betts walks? Or what if Betts gets traded and J.D. walks? Bogarts loses those kind of stats just like Devers does. Like, there's a lot of – there's regression there to be had. Not saying that – I believe in Bogarts as a talent more than Devers. I'm just saying that the counting stats that were so elite this year might not be next. And Hobby is kind of staying in the same place. And I don't know. I think there's less likely regression in the numbers, especially with Hobby putting up what he did while – getting hurt and such such this year so i think i, I think uh, xander can is going to steal 10 to 12 bases i expect that i don't i don't see that from devers and i think Baez is going to be around 20 um then i just see a 300 batting average for xander and you got uh, i think over 100 runs in rbis 30 home runs and and you know what you can I, you can take that to the bank much more easily than taking whatever projections you um you give Baez. joe split the difference who do you like more Oh, Bogarts by by way lot. Gosh, maybe see now this, <laughs> and that's fine. But now you make me have to reassess, which is good because now I'm going to go reassess the situation and maybe change my rankings. I don't know. I think my rankings actually have Bogarts ahead of them, and maybe I've made the switch in my head without making it actually on paper yet. But um, here's my fear with bias and people when my rankings come out because I'm going to do another ranking projection probably at the end of the World Series. Um, people are going to. Be, or I think my other rankings had bias really low too, but bias is going to be outside the top fifty. I can tell you that right now. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, that's I, bold. I would that's... rather have I would rather have Keeson Herrera than uh, <laughs> Wow, you're right. Jeez. Wow. And the reason the reason I say that is, and Herrera is pretty aggressive too, but I think Herrera has more upside than bias actually. He he only has like a fifty three percent. Or sorry, fifty three. He's only like fifty third percentile speed. Like the stolen bases feel fluky to us in a sense. I know the team as a whole runs a lot. The Brewers are very aggressive, are are in a very aggressive team on the base paths. And he, I think last this is last I looked. He had like nine. He was nine of twelve, I believe, on the base pass. I could be wrong, but he's a whole nother discussion because I think his and his X stats. He up he hit thirty points higher than his batting average. You know, XBA versus BA. 
was 30 point difference and his speed doesn't suggest and usually speed can help make that up and his speed doesn't suggest that he can that's going to be normal for him he's not a fast he's not like overly fast over oh, no I, I don't expect him to steal 20 bases at all but he but if but he was on he basically paced out to that he he paced out to 20 stolen bases um i just don't i think the batting average is gonna be closer to 260 than 300 and the, the power is legit but the strikeout rate is worrisome and if pitchers learn how to pitch around them you could be looking at a sophomore slump for sure. I'm not nearly as optimistic on here as as you seem to be. Well, Joe, right. you, Joe, Joe's rankings, you, your rankings are always about – you always find equity in the unknown and, and the upside, and I, and I like that. I'm, I'm like that as well. And I think, um, Mike, you, me and you played together a long time, and you know that I'm always on, like, the Alonzos and those type of players. And yeah. I think Joe's the one guy that I've, that I've met, and I, that's why I like his rankings, is that he's even more aggressive on the – on like, in terms of the potential than I am. And maybe that's a question for Joe. Like, why are why what makes you so inclined to to value the potential and upside rather than I guess the the floor and and something we've seen before more so than other analysts? Uh, I don't. I just literally put projections together, and I don't go strictly off the projection I give them, but off that projection I get a player rater value based on a fifteen team league, and I usually go off that, and uh, I have. Herrera projected for a whole over a point's worth um, in value. Um, and Herrera, I have him for a 274 batting average, 32 home runs, and 14 steals. When Baez, I have at 261 batting average, 32 home runs, and 18 steals. Um, the, I, I think the batting average at this point, it's hard to just – he always outproduces his peripherals. And that's the thing. It's like, I understand. Like, and look, I kudos to you for to, like, you know, you have your own projection system. You believe in it wholeheartedly to a point to where you base your uh, rankings off it. Dude, that's awesome. Like, honestly, I'm not taking that away. I'm not sarcastic. I'm serious. Like, that's awesome. I just, I have a hard time buying that, what your projection uh, pushed out as far as the batting average. And I'm very big on the, you know, I'm huge on plate discipline. I'm huge on those metrics. It's just, he continues to, prove us wrong on believing that well he can't sustain it with his profile so it's like i'm buying into track record a little more than i am the 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 overall like underlying metrics yeah i choose even though i know he's done it and basically made us look stupid for the past couple of years i just can't uh if there's something that i can figure out in his favor it will be but everything just is so weird with him Way too with guys that are aggressive as him. Um, usually their bapids are not at 350 because you're making a lot of soft contact in other places. Um, he doesn't have like a super strong fly ball rate or anything, but he does have a lot of raw power, so I think 30 home runs is reasonable for him. Um, and this year we saw his strikeout rate rise a little bit too from what it was last year, and so. I don't know. I can't get fully behind Baez. And the other thing with Baez, too, is his stolen base totals. He won't have a high on base percentage, so he's probably not going to get 20 steals. Um, he can. Yeah, we, he has a speed, but with his low walk rate, he won't have as many opportunities. Yeah, we agree. that I definitely agree with you there that that does hinder his upside on stolen bases. Not And, and that, that kind of – we spoke about that a little bit yesterday on, on – uh, are deeply uh, steel sleepers that on base percentage is a, an often overlooked factor when trying to consider when considering you know your steel sources. So, all right, 
we spent a long time on this tangent and it was, <laughs> it was good it was good talk it was good talk but let's get the let's get the train back on the rail shall we zach hey this with your first sleeper now that we've talked rankings disputes and such Okay, my fr- I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give the name away right now. I'm gonna have you guys. Uh, I'm gonna answer. I'm gonna ask some questions, and it's gonna lead into who the sleeper is. Well, I so have your th- I have yours written down, so I have a cheat sheet. Well, I'm gonna. It's gonna be leading. So just uh, <laughs> I'll be humor, quiet. Humor me, Mike, please. I will. Um, uh, okay, so I I looked at uh, and I wrote an article on this, and I looked at um, a K minus walk percentage in, in pitchers, and I looked at the leaderboard um, from from last year, and this is a hint. I had to go. Um, below the qualified pitchers, so 80 or more innings, because this guy didn't qualify uh, for the uh, with the with the minimum innings to um, uh, the minimum with the minimum innings. So I'm going to read the list and um, just um, I guess think, let me know if I uh, if I I'm going to lead the I'm going to read the list starting from Garrett Cole, who's first with the 33.3 percent uh, K walk ratio, and I'm going to go I'm going to go down that list and and stop me if I uh, have. Um, uh, listed a pitcher you believe to be outside of your top 30 pitchers going into the next year. And um, stop me if you, if you think this is, um, I guess, sort of mirrors the fantasy rankings for pitchers going into next year. So uh, without blabbering on anymore, one is Garrett Cole, two, Justin Verlander, three, Max Scherzer, four, Chris Sale. I know maybe not um, everyone's pick for number four, five, Clevenger, six, DeGrom. Now I'll stop there. That seems more or less in line with um, some ra- most rankings. Next, yes. Bieber, Snell, Walker, Bueller. That's and that's everyone with an over twenty five percent K walk ratio. I'll go. I'll go on. Boyd. Okay, maybe that's a little bit of an outlier. Giolito, Darvish, Strasburg, Charlie Morton, Brandon Woodruff. Jack Flaherty. Anyone there you, you think would be outside of your top 30? Not yet. Okay. Now I'm going to skip over. I'm going to skip over my sleeper and go to number 18, Chris Paddock. And then that's, that's 18. So that's your first round and a half. And he, he's number 17 here. Andrew Heaney is number 17. You love yourself some Heaney. I do, I do, and and for this reason, I think this K to walk ratio um, really is a great predictor. Like those, both of those, both of those in 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 themselves are great predictors of success. K, uh, your K percentage in a, in a roto league because you are a captain. Innings is so important, and I think strikeouts are one of the most predictable stats in a rotisserie league. I, I think your pitchers that get your strikeouts more than their strikeout an inning are basically your same guys every year, you might have people emerge like your Woodruffs, like your Chialitos. But if I go, if I go further than the top 18, I get David Price, who was having a decent season and had a decent season last year. Um, aside from being limited by injury, then you have Kershaw and Mike, I know, you know, you love your Frankie Montas, Patrick Corbin mm-hmm. and James, James Paxton. And that's your, those, that's your top 23. I think all those pitchers are going to be more than $10 in an auction next year. And you got Andrew Heaney sandwiched right in there. So I'll stop myself there and um, let you guys respond. I have nothing bad to say about Heaney. He's been like, I feel like injuries have been really his only hindrance. He seems to 
be a legit pitcher. It's never really – I've never really questioned the talent as much as I'm just qu- – like it's just been more or less a – and his fault for out. his fault for being on the the Angels, who just um, can't keep their pitching staff healthy. I mean, other, the only thing like some of his predictors suggest he might be a low four ERA pitcher, mid to mid to low fours. But I think the I mean it's hard to ignore the K per nine. The frame rate's about league average, but I'm just letting you know a quick look at him. I think the upside's there, and I think where you can get him, it's really there's a lot of value there. I think. The way I was on Skaggs this year, rest in peace, uh, he, he could be that kind of guy in drafts. You know what I mean? Like, he could be that guy where you're getting him late and he's going to have hit and miss games, but I think there's going to be more hit than miss to his game. I was really big on Skaggs. I think Heaney offers that uh, – he offers more upside, but will come with that same price tag entering 2020. Maybe. It depends on people like you and others who are going to boost him up. But I hope, I hope I can get him for five bucks, four or five bucks in an auction, but I don't know what's going to happen over the next couple of months. But I think if we if we had auctions right now, I think I can get him, I think I can get them for five bucks, and I'd be very happy with that. I think he, I think he might be even less than that because again, I think he's another one buried in the ADP, so you could take advantage of that. Like right now, again, we're almost two hundred picks into this fifteen teamer, and he's still available. Get him. Well, I don't need pitching right now. I'm just, Come on, <laughs> you're, you're gonna let him. You're gonna, you're gonna let him fall past two hundred. No, like I bet you Zach Galen and Sonny Gray, all those guys, are. Yeah, they're all gone. Of course, uh, they're all gone. I think um, I, I think he he offers potential similar to those guys, and and without the price tag, and I want to keep yeah. it that way. So stop talking about him. Okay, <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's 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 stop talking about him then. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if Joe has anything to say, add to it or not. Before we move on, I was going to say, should I tell, not tell Zach that uh, I ranked Heaney around? Pitcher 35 in my rankings. <laughs> hey, there goes the aggressive uh, Joe rankings. Screwing you yeah. over right there. Yep. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Well, I uh, something I saw the other day that made me move him up was that out pitchers with 90 innings pitched, he had the 14th best contact rate. And that was behind guys like, as you said, Corbin, Gilito, Sale, Bieber, those type of guys, were the guys ahead of him. Um, and I'll throw out the other two guys that were on that list that were pretty impressive were Kenta Maeda at 11 and Griffin Canning at 7. I won't go into them, but those three guys were three guys you might be getting at ADPs of like 200 that were uh, very, very shocking to be on the top 15 contact rate list. Oh, I'm just glad that the Marlins traded Heaney away. That's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> <sighs> For D. Gordon, among other play players, Dan Heron. I'm looking at the trade right now. I'm just I'm defeated. I'm deflated. I'm a Marlins fan. So we trade we traded away Zach Gallon. At the time I thought it wasn't a terrible deal because I really like Chisholm as a prospect. But then Gallon kind of shows that he wasn't just a flash in the pan, so to speak. And now it's like, well, how did I even think that was a good trade? Maybe I was just trying to be optimistic. Oh no! Well, I, I'm still I'm still bitter about the Syndergaard for um, Ari Dickey trade in Toronto. Well, you know that's because the Marlins passed on Syndergaard for uh, <laughs> somebody else. I forget who they passed. They had a choice between Syndergaard and some non-relevant player. So yeah, I remember we talked. We, we were talking about this before. <laughs> yes, we have, and it's just it's aggravating. It's it, it's just <laughs> never-ending Marlins disappointment. So, I guess I'll just pivot to 
a guy that I've spoken about. I mean, Schwarber, I'm not going to talk much about Schwarber. I'm huge on him this year. I just don't know if he makes sleeper lists. I'm not sure where his ADP is going to land. Two early mocks had him at 172, so he would have met this criteria. I'm afraid to put him into this because, again, first of all, a lot of people are getting on him. And I keep getting tagged and stuff by a couple of <laughs> friends of mine that people are like when people are talking Schwarber up. Long story short, uh, there was a swing change last year. He took an all-fields approach in the second half, so he wasn't so pull-happy, which really would be huge for him. And he hit 240 against lefties, which that wouldn't be a big deal when, except for when that, like his career average against lefties is under 200. So if he's at least a two, even a 220 hitter versus lefties next season, that's serviceable in his overall you know, outlook. So, I mean, that would definitely help with his batting average woes. So, I'm huge on Schwarber. So, that's a, that's a bonus sleeper because he's, he's he's bordering on breakout because of ADP. But my big my first big one is uh, J.D. Davis. And I know no one's really – I think I just stole him from you guys because I think you guys are on him with me. But you talk about uh, StatCast data, 90, 90th percentile exit velo, hard hit rate 91st percent. Tile X Woba, 93rd percentile, 93rd percentile X, X slug, and 98th percentile X, X, uh, X, uh, expected batting average. Everything, and that's the thing, his output, his output actually pretty much matched and mirrored the uh, the X, the expected stats. So the only thing I've, I haven't really dug into him too deep yet, other than I saw that there was a swing change because I looked at his launch angle and noticed there was a launch angle change. So I went back and looked at some old tape. And if you look at 2018, he had more of like an upright stance a little bit with a little bit of a like pre-swing bat movement. And then I think I've sent these pictures to both of you. And then in 2019, he stopped the bat movement. He was a little more com- compact in his stance. And I think that allowed him to have more, you know, bat control and just overall, uh, just overall like control of just, I don't know, it just helped to tweak his, that, that tweak in his approach really seemed to help in his overall hitting and the numbers back up the change, I guess the, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling on the, there was tangible change. And with tangible change came the production and anybody who follows anything I do, I I love tangible change. I love the word tangible. I love the word tangible change. And if tangible change is, is followed by pretty much what could be like considered almost elite production or like really solid production anyway, I'm usually all in on a guy, and JD Davis will be on every one of my redraft redraft teams. And oh, but I don't know about that, Mike. <laughs> you will be you will be you will be bidding me up on him, and I will be. Oh, bidding. for sure. I'm all. I love J. I love some JD Davis. So, a, and especially in OBP leagues as well. He's got a great. He's got a great plate discipline. I'm all in on him as well, and I've been. I was in on him this year as well. So you're gonna have to fight me for him. But uh, yeah, I love I love that call, Mike. Yeah, and the like I said, the big thing was just I got lucky enough to find that that swing change, you know, and that like, like I, and that was, a, I bet you that was a big part of what caused, you know, what went into the breakout. Cause the, I feel like the tool was always there. It's just a matter of him finally like fine tuning it and putting it together. And he should have an everyday playing uh, every time, everyday gig next year. And I hope in, in the two early mocks, he was going outside the top 200. I anticipate him being closer to a one thirty top one thirty to one fifty pick. Oh, I, I don't know if he, uh, yeah, like I, well, I, in 15 I, teams, I, I, don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know if he, could, I don't know if he's going to climb that high because there, you know what, there's a lot of other good, good players out there, but, uh, and he, so you, you think he's going to be an everyday player? Like, well, I'm, I'm just trying to picture the, the Mets, def, the Mets defense, um, Cano's going to be, Cano's, Cano's going to be there, right? Like, I hope he, he deserves everyday playing time. And you know what, we touched on this yesterday, Mike, in our other podcast. Um, it's, it's his, 
J.D. Davis being under the radar is uh, a result of the embarrassment of riches again in Houston, where he was blocked by Correa and um, Bregman, right? And he was he was having great seasons in the minor leagues. There's just there's just no room for him. Um, I think he was a third baseman uh, coming up, um, and there's just no room for him in Houston. Just the same way as we talked about Domingo Santana, Derek Fisher, who I know aren't as good. But also JD Martinez, they just have too many good minor leaguers, and JD uh, JD Davis is one of them. Another another JD, they just let go, right? <laughs> yeah. And now looking at, I, I pulled up their Mets roster resource page, and right now they have them plugged in as a starting left fielder, but that's with Cespedes and McNeil on the IL. So they come back next year, they get starting spots. I still think he should. Now, I'm saying should because I never know what the Mets are going to do, but I don't think Todd Frazier or Robinson Cano deserve a spot over him. And I agree. I agree with you. And I'm wondering if McNeil or McNeil Davis, I think Cano demands a spot because of his contract, but Frazier might even be a free agent. So Frazier, not, did, Frazier had his contract last year, and he and there so was he has, more pressure think, to play him last year, and he was, um, he was warm in the bench. And I think this year was his final year of the – I think it was a two-year deal. So that should open up a, a spot at third base for him every day. Or McNeil third base, J.D. Davis outfield. Either way, you're not going to – I mean, they have him plugged into the four-hole too in roster resource, which suggests, you know, he's not going anywhere. So I think and there's going to be – is not going to stay healthy. I, 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 well, I mean, on, him, on, his, on his price, I know that's another tangent that we don't want to really get onto, but – He's a $1 um, guy, I mean. Yeah. He's a one dollar guy. You can't. I mean, he he might be he might be somebody everyone's overlooking, including myself. Like I keep forgetting about him. But well, for, Todd for, Todd Todd Frazier's done, son. I know that one. Um, and I think they're going to try and they're going to try to resurrect Cespedes, and maybe it works. Um, don't know how old he is at this point. I don't know if it matters. Four, like forty almost, man. I feel like he's been, he's been around for a while. Let's see. I I'd see. If I had to guess, thirty five. 33 goodness i thought i really thought he was like aging that's not that bad he could have a donaldson type of bounce back maybe i think joe you joe, joe mentioned something about suspicious so I, I, I think i saw on twitter uh i think it was on slack i was just trying to figure out if he's healthy or not because i was like the dude has an adp of like 300 something i thought that yeah was- yeah, how how can you go wrong there? He, he he's a sleeper that he's a sleeper that we all kind of whiffed on for this podcast, but he's somebody I'm definitely gonna d- dig into because I mean, yeah, you I almost I almost feel like he's like a cheat when you talk about sleepers. It's just like an injured player, um, McCullers. Yeah, he's like an obvious sleeper. Like if you're gonna do your side dot approach and, and you're gonna need five one dollar players like Cespedes, like is he gonna? I don't even know if he's gonna be back right away at the start of the season. I don't know anymore. I don't bank on it. I mean, his last semi-healthy season was in 2016 with 112 games. He played 81 in 2017 and 38 in 2018. Like, <laughs> even worse. It, it's like, like, okay, here's, here's the thing. Like, yes, he's worth the $1. Clearly, there's uh, like plenty of upside to spend the $1 on him. But I'm going to have another five or six guys in the back of my head that I want to take the chance on. Is Cespedes even worth wasting my time on? That's, the, that's kind of like – it's like it's like i keep saying i want to roster all these guys but but will i really ever be able to like, exactly <laughs> well you know what cespedes is perfect for for the guys that like to draft the prospects and have them on their bench and wait for them to get called up you can have cespedes if he starts the season you can have him in the lineup and then when he gets hurt hopefully your prospect is called up and then that's a little easy switch out or best ball yeah, there, as well there you there you go 
best ball drafts, like he might be worth a late round flyer too, in case he actually bounces back. I don't know. I don't play best ball, but don't you want to? I don't know if I don't know if there is the balance between upside, like the Cespedes, and just compiling players that you know are going to be in your lineup like every day. So just well, getting there, players. There, there is a balance. Like from what I'm learning, I've never done best ball. I'm actually in the middle of one now, and neither, I just neither have I. I just found out that apparently we're playing it out. <laughs> so my my bold pitcher strategy wasn't just like a mock. It was actually like I'm playing this out, so it's going to see be interesting how it turns out. But there's players like J.D. Davis I made sure to get. I got Carter Keyboom, Nico Horner. I, so best ball kind of, you know, Reese Hoskins. Like I have these big name – I have these guys that have really big either bounce back potential or, you know, coming, coming out of the minor leagues that could do really well. But it's good to have a couple guys that – Suspects could be a 30 home run guy if he stays healthy. He could be like this year's Donaldson if he stays healthy. I don't expect everyday playing time. So I'm, I expect closer to 130 games on a healthy season for him, to be honest. But we're talking about a guy who could still put up 25 to 30 home runs. And in a best ball league, that I mean, he could do that in spurts. He could do four in a week. You know what I mean? And that's why in best ball league, you don't set a lineup. It's just like you set it like – you, you draft and forget it. The rest of the season, it just plugs in the best uh, performing players. So I love these podcasts, man. You know what? We didn't even think we were going to talk about Cespedes, and we spent more time on him than I think Joe's first sleeper. Yeah, so <laughs> Joe, while, while, we have Joe, while we have Joe on the brain <laughs> – Second sleeper, Joe. <laughs> this is not what was supposed to happen today. <laughs> a lot of good uh, talk, though. The second one I'll go with is possibly. I think he out of all the sleepers, all the guys with ADPs outside the top 150, this guy might have the most potential. Um, I may say, and that would be Franchi Cordero. This is a guy that, I mean, if I if I had to rank his tools, this guy might have 70 to 80 raw power and then 70 um 70 speed yeah 70 speed so uh he's got a lot of potential um over his career he has been more of a ground ball hitter but in the minors and majors uh this year he has hit more fly balls than ground balls this season so I could see him being kind of like a Framel Reyes type, except with like an additional 15, 18 steals. And then also a lot of people are going to talk about his strikeout rate, which is astronomical, really high. I'm not even going to try and defend that. But <laughs> this is a guy that uh, is kind of like an Aaron Judge type. When I say that, he's going to have a super, super, super high BAPIV. That's what like he's going to have a super high K rate, but he's going to have a super high BAPIP as well with it. And uh, his 374 BAPIP right now is kind of, people are probably like, oh, well, that's going to come down. And it probably will, but his StatCats page actually kind of says it might be, it should be higher because his X batting average is 249. And with the 374 BAPIP, he has a 240 batting average. So the BAPIP could stay the same. He could be like a 360, 370 BAPIP guy. And if that's the case, I think we're probably looking at 35 home runs, 15 steals, and 250 batting average. And that, for your round pick 300, I don't think you can get that anywhere else. I think you just sold me on him because I was, like, super anti-Franchi for some reason. I guess it was just because maybe burned in the past, didn't really work out. But the more I'm looking at him, the more I'm, like, really intrigued by the uh, by the speed upside. Because, like, I can get 250 and 30 
relatively easy from from players. But you had 15 stolen bases, and I know the problem is those. It was very very minor, you know, a very very short stint. I think nine games, literally like a sip of coffee last season. He came up for, but yeah. I mean, but it's like you want to like just. In those nine games, obviously, again, very, very small sample size. You saw less swinging strikes and less chasing. I doubt that. I mean, I can't say for sure. Obviously, that's a change in his profile without a bigger sample size. But there's reason for optimism. And again, for around pick three, whatever you said, three, over 300. Yeah. It's just a matter. I guess it would be a matter of playing time. I mean, do the Padres, that's what I was thinking. Do the Padres have a spot for him? And then didn't the Padres just acquire what's his face from the Reds in the minor leagues? I mean, I know he's not coming up right now. Uh, Taylor Trammell. Yes, Trammell. Yeah, like right now they have – I mean, as of right now, they have Myers, Renfro, and Martini in the outfield. I think he could sur- surpass maybe a Martini. They also have Margot, though, too. I was looking at it this morning. Oh, yeah. Margot, so, Jankowski, Naylor. It's a tough, tough uh, playing time situation. Maybe maybe a trade. If he gets traded, then, yeah, it's almost like just like Fran Mill. Like you get if he gets traded, then he's he becomes like Framo himself is pretty a, sol- a pretty solid value right now, two fifty yeah. and thirty. You can get that, like I said, you can get that in the you know later rounds. He's wonder what his trade value. I wonder what his trade value is. Do is he is he um, coveted by other teams, or, or do they trade, York? or do they trade out from under a Will Myers or something to make room for him? You know what I mean? Why did well, they yeah. sign Eric Cosmer? That's a real question. Well, that was before that was, that was probably before they realized they had all this youth and talent in their farm. Or at least upside talent in their farm, because right now you could put Will Myers at first and open up a spot. And my and Hosmer, Hosmer is just better in real life than he's in fantasy, though I think overall, you know what I mean. So that's why we as fantasy analysts tend to focus on the fantasy side of things, not look at the full picture. Well, yeah, he was um, playing over Paul Goldschmidt in the World Baseball Classic. Well, that was a mistake. But. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think they had they had Adam Jones in center field over someone else too. I was like, uh, <sighs> good, great managing. Yeah, so, terrible fantasy. Whoever whoever's a manager was gonna be it would be a terrible fantasy manager. Joe Madden. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm guessing, but it feels like a Joe Madden type of move. Yeah, I don't remember. I, don't remember. I, I think it was up. Jim Leland. Oh, might have been. Yeah, I think you were right. That was like his final thing. Yeah, it was part of his whole final season thing. Or just got, or do you just retire? I don't remember, or something like that. Well, it doesn't matter because that's not a sleeper. Jim Leland doesn't, it doesn't matter to us anymore. <laughs> what does matter is Zach's second sleeper. See that transition? Boom, like a pro. Beautiful. Uh, my <laughs> second sleeper is someone that hasn't played the major leagues yet. And, um, you know, of all the, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use one of these sleepers on a, on a, on a prospect. Um, it's going to be a pitcher and someone that um, had the chance to come up this year and was um, excelling in the minor leagues. And you know, I love the the K to nine and, and a high strikeout ratio, especially in in, uh, in a roto format. And this this guy is uh, named Devi Devi Garcia, and uh, I think right. he yeah, I'm, I pronounced it wrong for sure. Um, but I think I think there's a spot for him in New York uh, uh, this this year. I think the fact that they did not call him up. Um, because he is an asset and he's got a, he's got electric stuff, um, indicates that they want him to be a starter. Um, he just seems like a fragile guy. Um, I think he threw just over a hundred innings this year across a couple levels. 
but his canine is off the charts. Uh, his stuff is off the charts. And if he can, if he can put it together, uh, he's, he's going to be in that. Well, he might even be, he's definitely going to go lower than your Lazardos and you know what, Forrest Whitley's falling off the map and you're, you're going to have your Casey Mize, Matt Manning. I can list a whole bunch of pitchers that, that should be up next year at some point, but I think he's going to be up soon. Uh, and I think he can make an impact and I think he could be in that rotation. Um, because they, they, they have Severino, um, who does have some health concerns. They got Tanaka, who does have some health concerns. They got Sabathia gone. They have Domingo Herman, who is um, out of uh, baseball, at least temporarily. Who knows what's going to happen to him? And they have J.A. Happ, who's, I don't know, I think, I think Garcia. Bad. Is better than- <laughs> A bad. Bad. Side. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And I don't know. Um, I think that's about it. Who uh, they have James, James Paxton, who also has health concerns. But I don't even think um, like I think this year you were um, coming into this year, you had uh, Luizaga and you had Jim Domingo with Herman, and you're sort of crossing your fingers and you, and you looked at that rotation. And you looked at Hap Sabathia, um, Severino, Tanaka, and you're like, okay, Paxton. All these guys have like above average injury risk, and you know what? There's injury risk for all pitchers, but that Yankee staff has probably the the highest degree of injury risk that I can think of for any staff. And I don't even think Garcia needs an injury to make the opening day rotation if he performs. And I think he has a very high upside. I have nothing to add to that. He's, he's such, he's a great flyer. He's the type of guy that you target even if, in 12 teamers, if you have an NA slot, but spring, tra- this is why I love these podcasts. Cause we're getting these names out there ahead of time. And there's a chance that all these guys become relevant or irrelevant by the time season starts, <laughs> yeah, but for it, sure. But it's so much fun because now these names are on people's minds and it's it's really, I mean, some people might have never heard of some of these like Delby Garcia if you're not into you know, your minor leaguers or however you say his name. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's these are good because now it's like, it, I don't know, I just, I love these type of early things. And heck, because my next guy, and I, I, before I jump onto him, I'm just, I just, I'll, I'll give you guys a chance to, I'll give Joe a chance to add to it if he wants to. But my next guy is also a minor leaguer. Wait, I just want to add. I just want to add one more thing about De- Devi Garcia. You know mm-hmm. the expression "I before E except after C." Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't apply here. It's D E I V I. So this is the one exception D-V. before. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know how you pronounce it, but I'm just telling you how you spell it. It's it's not an <laughs> I before the E except after C. It's not. It's it's E before I before the V. If that makes any sense. Anyways. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, apparently, we give fantasy analysis and grammar lessons. <laughs> Joe, do you have anything to add to that, or are you kind of on board, or disagree, or just move on? Yeah, I like Debbie Garcia, but um, I will say I hope it doesn't get the job because I want to see Jonathan Wiseka up the majors. But uh, no, I really like what Garcia has, especially with his strikeout potential. Just as long I want to see, I want to, I want to see both of them. Actually, I think there's a chance both of those players could be in the rotation i think what benefits what really benefits garcia is the uh is the bolt that that bullpen that they're likely gonna you know have again next year and that won't put much strain on him to to pitch more than five innings and it'll be one of those they can kind of keep him they can bring him on slowly and keep him you know all season long he just won't be a quality start guy but he might be definitely roto you know five category guy because win potential but just just a little thing to consider maybe with him All right, guys, on that note, we're going to take a quick break to hear a brief word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with the show. 
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The next guy I was mentioning before is my leaguer. And I've been touting him since last season. Another guy that's just a my guy is uh, Dylan Carlson. I actually just released an article with him in there as a sleeper for steals. But I think he's just an overall sleeper in general. He off, I mean, he, he broke out in a big way last year, showing he had some power-speed combination. And if you combine the double-A and triple-A numbers, he had 26 home runs and 20 steals. And that was only in 126 games. The growth, I mean, he's always flashed a solid. Like, my big thing with prospects, especially ones that aren't so well-known, is when you see a growth in, like, walk and K rates. And he's always been a, a over 10% walk guy in the minors and a K rate guy sitting around 17 to 20%. And when he went up to AAA, the walks took a little bit of a dip and the Ks took a little bit of an increase, but not. But both were still about league average, with the K rate being below, but the walk rate being just a tad under. But he still managed to do, you know, a 361 average with a 418 OBP and a 681 slugging. And that was like, again, I was a very small sample size in AAA, but I've read somewhere and I can't find it now. I, don't, I haven't looked at actually try. I haven't looked it up, but he apparently has a shot to uh, compete for the starting, a starting spot for the Cardinals come next season in the outfield. That might come at the expense of uh, Harrison Bader or others, but. If that's the case, I'm watching him like a hawk, and right now he's super late. I mean, I don't know. I think I was probably the only person to draft him in in the two early mocks, to be honest. I don't know. But, you know, you saw the increase. You saw last year the decrease in ground ball ground balls, the increase of fly balls and line drives in double-A. In triple-A, he actually went even more extreme with the fly balls. So, I mean, I think and I think overall just there's that change. He's an all-fields approach type of guy. But the, there's a little bit of natural power-speed combination, and I'm just a huge fan of his. And don't get me wrong, he's super. It's kind of a super deep league because there's not even there's a chance he doesn't even there's a chance he just goes right to AAA. And if that's the case, he's not draftable in most mixed leagues. But definitely a guy, some, some definitely a guy I would draft in your drafting hold, your early drafting holds, 15 team mixed, and definitely obviously NL only. So. Yeah, I like that. I like that call, and I think the St. Louis is looking for they they've given they've given opportunities to the young outfielders O'Neill and Bader, and you know what. They haven't they haven't exactly um, run away with the job. So I think I love Carlson too. I think he. I'm surprised that um, that he's not going in some of the drafts because I think he's one of the top five uh, players with no major league service time to to take in a to take in a redraft for league next year. Yeah, because I think he I think he's he's in he's within the discussion of that next tier of player in redraft as far as rookies outside of Adele and and Robert or Robert, however you, I think he wants to call it. I think his name is Robert actually, which is call odd him, for. Call him Lou Bob. Lou Bob. I've heard him call him. 
Well, if you want to call him Lou Bob, whatever, whatever you want to call him, those are the obvious two that you must, you know, must drafts probably gonna go between the 10th and 12th round, you know, similar to Eloy of last year. But then outside of those two between uh, Adele and Robert, then you have, uh, then you have Dylan Carlson, I think is arguably in that next tier of minor leaguers, like you were saying. So. Yeah, I think so. Like, I don't, I don't know if you want to include Kyle Tucker in that tier, but he seems. Well, Tucker's like, Tucker would be, I would say Tucker's a part of that tier. Tucker's almost part of the top tier for me, but you can get him and you can get him way later. I think his upside warrants. Well, the reason why I guess, I guess Tucker technically played this year and I, I anticipate him being up with the big league start next year automatically, regardless of, um, of how his uh how he's utilized you know part-time versus full-time player but that's why he doesn't fit this criteria for me i think because i'm already putting in my head he's already in a major league how many at bats do you need to qualify to be no longer a rookie i think he i think his last at bat of the season disqualified (laughs) him for being a rookie he has 100 he has 131 at bats so is it 130 or 150 i think it's 130 so yeah he's not a rookie anymore that's uh that's unfortunate for him yeah, he won't. But I think next year he's another guy. He's he's another guy. Definitely worth sleeper. Um, he definitely in the sleeper discussion. I think we aimed a little deeper. I think these are more of a deeper. A lot of these sleepers are more are deeper. But I think it's like Tucker's going to be. If he if if Tucker if if your buddy Reddick, this is like a third straight podcast where Reddick's been discussed. But if Reddick is not signed is not brought back for some reason or another, I think there's an opening for Reddick for everyday playing time, and then. He's going to shoot up draft Tucker, boards. Tucker, you said rather. Tucker, you meant Tucker. Sorry, yes. Tucker's going to shoot up draft boards, and Tucker's going to be that, that I don't know, solid. It depends on where you like him. I think he'll be around 120-ish, maybe a little bit. He'll be like Senzel of last year. Where Senzel, you would see him go as high as like 95, as low as 115-ish. You know what I mean? So Tucker will be that Senzel type of next year. Yeah, Tucker's early mark draft ADP, I think, was like 130-ish. And they would so, only um, him. Yeah. Yeah, so guess who has him in the top 100? <laughs> of course. Well, and rightfully so. If he's on the team full time, I can't do a part time player in my top one hundred. I'm dra- if I'm drafting him, I'm drafting him as if he has a full time job because this is like the third year that he could have potentially been up. And yeah, Al- Alvarez has leapfrogged him, but he's he's per- performed so well in the minor leagues. He's got a he's got they, they they need to give him that opportunity and they want to win. So like they they were playing Jake Marisnik and and Kemp in the outfield consistently this year. Like, I, I don't get it either, to be honest. I don't know why. Like, I, I don't. I really don't understand it. I, I, is, is there something that we're all not seeing? Like, is there something that we're just missing about uh, his game? I'm seeing a Josh. lot of raw power. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of elite upside. Like, this guy, he's the type of guy that you can take around pick 100 right now, and that would be considered reaching, and he could be a top – 30 player going into next season like he could be he could do what jordan what jordan jordan whatever these guys these, these guys have names spelled funny or spelled spelled i don't know man i can't so it's jordan alvarez and luis robert whatever <laughs> sorry that's a whole other ranch but <laughs> jordan alvarez like you could i could see kyle tucker supplanting him again going after next year if he gets full-time playing time because the steal upside is there maybe the batting average might be 260 270 i expect it to be higher but I think he has the upside to be a top 30 player entering 2021. That's the type of this, upside. This is a great time to buy on him in a dynasty or keeper league. Like this oh. is the perfect time. Well, the perfect time was about three months ago before back when, back when Jordan leapfrogged him and people thought kind of like Whitley. Whitley's showing out in, in the AFL. 
He's like, yeah. he's back to being himself. And it's a great time. People might not notice it. He's another guy that I'm targeting in redraft leagues as my final, as another guy that get in the final rounds for as a pitcher, because I think there's a spot in the rotation for him next year. You have Cole likely leaving. You have other, uh, what Wade Miley going to be gone. You, you have uh, Aaron Sanchez who just can't stay healthy. You have McCullers who might not be a starter, might be, who knows. You only have what? Hey, Joe, tell uh, Mike who he's missing, though, that's gonna, that might have leap, leapfrogged uh, Whitley. Oh, your guy. Yeah, you talked about him already. <laughs> uh, you're uh, Jose Urquita? Or no, 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 no. Um, Christian Javier. Javier, that's right. Oh, Christian Javier, yeah. Big, big uh, pay upside. Yeah, well, Whitley, I, I still – I'll be on the I'll be on the Whitley side of things. You're the guy I need to target. I hope you have Whitley, and I can give you. I, I would. I think I would rather have Whitley. To be honest. I think Whitley. You don't just lose that pedigree and that that. You just don't. That just doesn't go away these days. Oh, then no. who? You'd, you'd rather have Whitley than who? I'd than rather Javier. have. Yeah, I'd rather have Whitley oh. than Javier as well. But I agree. I agree. I have to agree with that. But it's <laughs> but, like again an embarrassment of riches in on the pitching end for Houston. They're probably they need to trade something for somebody. I mean, they might. They don't need. What do they they need? I don't know. They need. They need. Well, they don't need a pitcher because they They don't need anything. What they they need. Here's 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 what he needs to do. They they need to let Garrett Cole sign with another team and then trade all these prospects that they have sitting in the minor leagues for Garrett Cole and let the other (laughs) team eat eat some of that contract. Well, they made the they made the mistake. Well, see, they made the mistake of trading for Grinky and eating all that contract. So. Or most of it, I think, a good part of it. So right. they're kind well, of. They're I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's a mistake because I don't know if they're any um, like the Whitleys and the Javiers and the, all these players are ready to to contribute. That's true too. I don't know. I don't know if any of those. I don't know if any of those pitchers are ready to lose Game Three of the ALDS. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw my tweet last night, but I said the lineup of the Astros are so good that a lineup of players they've traded could probably still beat some of the major league teams out there, like the Marlins, the Tigers and the, Oh yeah, no, I didn't see that, but that's just, that's true. It's they're just so good. And I mean, the thing with like JD Davis, Ramon, Lariano, guys like that, they traded them and they didn't get much in return. And I'm sure they knew that the players that were training had more value than the players that were getting, but it's just, they couldn't do anything else with them. They're like out of options and they did, they're like, I can't. I have too many good players. I'm sorry. We beat. The, we're getting really good at this whole keeping it short thing, right? Um, <laughs> that's all I can think about. Uh, so that's let's recap a little bit because I'm a little I'm a little confused. So we've discussed Joe. You've discussed Mazar and and French Cordero. Correct. You've now discussed Davy Garcia and Andrew Heat, and I've discussed Victor Reyes and Dylan Carlson. I. No. From what I'm looking, I'm looking. I don't at, think you. I don't think you have discussed Victor Reyes. Oh no, sorry. I discussed JD Davis and Dylan Carlson. That's perfect because I'm going to talk about Victor Reyes now because I like. I'm very interested in your guys' last two, especially the one that you have, Joe. So we're going to save yours for last. Cause I think this is the most intriguing um, of the players left, and he's the one. He's the one that's going to fly up draft boards and be a really big, like a big name come draft season. So we're going to. I won't. Spo- <laughs> I, won't, I, won't I won't spoil it, but I love him too. Like I, yeah. I, I, Young. I, I can't wait. I, I guess I, I, I'm, I'm big on him too, but so it's like, I just want to say, so we're saving the best for last, but Victor Reyes is a guy that I've talked about him on. I think I've talked about him on the last three podcasts. I just wrote about him on my article. This is like, I, I'm planting my flag and it's on a guy that nobody, like I got, like I was speaking to a guy on Twitter yesterday about it, like uh, who's all, who who's into the minor league system of the Tigers and he's not really buying in, but 
I love like I you see like you thought his like just to give you an idea when I tweet I tweeted out just his profile and Joe thought this it was Edmund. So that gives you an idea of like other than the chase rate, it's very it's a very very solid uh, plate discipline profile. Makes a lot of contact in and out of the zone. He has. I think it was like 91st percentile sprint speed. So I think the batting average floor is there. I think the stolen bases are there. I'm not going to harp on him because again, you've if you follow me on Twitter, if you listen to my other podcast, I talked about him. Heck, I just put out, I just put up another post about me showing just me talk, highlighting just me talking about the guy. But long story short, 15 teams, AL only, for sure. He's a guy I'm drafting. 12 teamers. I'm not. I need to realize he's not quite there yet. Like in my head, he was a late round dart throw. But the, here's the thing. I keep talking about all these players. Now they're all late round dart throws. So I'm having a hard time like, gauging 15 and 12 teamers. So I don't think he's quite 12 team relevant. But if he balls out in spring, he's going to be 12 team mixed league relevant. So right now he's for your deeper leagues. But man, do I love this kid. Short, sweet to the point. This is how they were all supposed to be. <laughs> and I, I know I don't think, again, I haven't heard either one of you guys really be against it, especially because of his price. He's outside probably top 300 for a lot of people he might even be fringe 300 for me and i'm big on him but he's gonna definitely be somebody that i'm grabbing in all draft and holds and all those types of formats 284 x batting average 30 percent mm-hmm. hard contact rate and 91st percent uh percentile and sprint speed yeah yep. i didn't know his hard contact rate went up that much so uh I'll look at more into him now. Yeah, he's a guy that I'm just like any any leads off, and it's for the Tigers, and the Tigers are so terrible. He's gonna have to manufacture runs now. He didn't have the best success rate, I believe. If I remember looking at his stuff lately, it wasn't like it was it was it was okay, not great. But he's on a team that why wouldn't they give him the green light? No reason not to let him run. He has nobody behind him. Everybody's probably sick of me talking about him, so I need to add I need new names for this list of mine. So that's Victor Reyes of the Tigers. Zach, jump into your guy because your guy kind of surprised me. I did not see this name coming. Kind of surprised me too. Um, I'm not <laughs> in love with him. I, I, you know what? Honestly, I probably won't have him on a lot of my teams. Well, but then, he's. Uh, then do you want to do you want to call a quick audible? Like, <laughs> no, no. I'm 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 going down with the ship here because you know what? I I was looking at the stats and he's not a player that um, that excites you from a fantasy perspective from his stats the next year. Uh, sorry, last last year, but next year. I could see uh, a leap in production because he, he's on the angels and that team's going to be improving. Um, he did have, uh, I was looking at his stats and I'm wondering, did he, did he have a, this is a small sample size because I wasn't really paying too much attention to him. And no, it wasn't a small sample size. It was quite a big sample size, but he's third overall in the majors in Z contact second in swinging strike third in overall contact percentage. So he must be, I'm just looking at it right now. He must be around third um, in um, O contact as well. So he has very good bat on ball skills. He's never struck out more than 15% across any level. Um, the thing is, it looks like he profiles as a 10 home run, 10 stolen base guy. And this guy's name is David Fletcher on the angels. And can he be next year's, uh, Jeff McNeil. I don't know. Um, no. Baseball, fan, fantasy. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Fantasy baseball is about tr- trying to predict the unprecedented. Like, who's going to be the next Blake Snell? Is it Tyler Glasnow last year? Yeah, kind of. But this guy, like, can he sacrifice some of that um, contact ability to sell out for some more power? And he he has a great, great, like, uh, he's stri- striking out 10 to 15% of the time. And well, I just went into all his contact, contact skills. No, I'm not on him, but just looking at his stats, it's intriguing that he's he's up there. But 
and he's 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 already done a 80 80 RBI run season with a better team and can he sell it for more power to hit for a decent average with his contact ability I don't know um, but um, he's someone that stood out to me just uh, on on a statistical basis. Uh, you did not look at a Statcast page then. <laughs> it is. What? It's pretty ugly, man. Like, I'm let's see. Tell, tell me. Zero percentile hard hit rate. Third percentile exit velocity. Third is bad. <laughs> yeah. Third. <laughs> Basically, he doesn't. Third's not, third's not good. But yeah. He's he, as far as batting average, it's legit. It seems to be his expected batting average is in the 96th percentile. So, like in the deepest of leagues, if you honestly want to bolster your batting average, you could do worse. And the speed is okay, it's 66th percentile. So, it's above average. He might be a 10 stone base guy, like you said. 290 average is very definitely obtainable, but that would be all I expect. Maybe some runs if he if he if his OBP is roughly 350, like it shows. Here on the Statcast page, I haven't looked at his previous. Just because I made the comp, what, what's McNeil's uh, hard hit percentage? I'd have to look him up real quick. I, I was actually looking at Brian Reynolds because that's what came to mind for some reason. But even Brian Reynolds makes him look makes him look good. Um, um I want to say it's like thirty five, around thirty five. I believe. Okay, I, I I found a comp for you. Seri- a serious comp, uh, Kevin Newman. Uh, you, you, know, you know, you know what? Honestly. I was just going to bring him up. He was he was my fourth. He was fourth. I was looking at the I was looking at the play um, uh, play discipline stats and Kevin Newman. Also, he has the speed and he he was also like like he was top ten in all of those other ones. So you know what? Like as I was saying, I'm not going to be on Fletcher. And you're like, you want to call an audible? If and I'm, you know what? I'm sticking with Fletcher. But if if I were to call an audible, Newman would have been would have been my sleeper because he's he's very very much in those um, top top tier in and all this all those uh batted ball um stats that i was talking he, about he's another, andy, andy andy has a speed i'll say he's another guy with good contact what appears to be good contact ability and just another guy that doesn't strike out and fifth percentile in hard hit rate and fifth percentile in exit velocity so he's just not a hard hitter so probably like a slap hitter type of i mean not just a slap hitter but like a weaker contact type of guy that more of a, more of a high high batting average, but this guy actually offers more speed, so it's a similar profile. That's the closest profile I could find, and that was just off the top of my head. He's a cheaper Luis Urias or Arias, however you say his Ari- name. Arias, Arias, Urias is uh, Padres. Arias, Arias, yeah, Arias, Arias. How much is he yeah. going to go for next year, Luis Arias? I think it's top three hundred. Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm not with it. Uh, nope. The thing, Arias. Should not be going ahead of Andrelton Simmons. I'll say that there is no reason for him. Arias is probably a, at like a ten home run, five steal guy with the batting average. Simmons is a fifteen fifteen, but I actually I think Simmons, and this might be a hot take, but I think there is potential for a twenty home run season still with Simmons. That's not. I, 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 I'd agree. Yeah. Twenty. So you guys, so you guys think you guys think there's no there's no upside for David Fletcher to improve because he had a decent season um, last year. Like no, <laughs> not really. Just there's not much there. I mean, when you the, there's not much there. I mean, he can he can steal what? Okay, we'll see. Well, if we well, his ceiling is what maybe 15 stolen bases. I haven't looked at his. Let's look at his track record. He has an 11 and a 12. Steal, oh no, he has a 20 steal season in the minors. So we'll give him. We'll say twenty steals. That's fine. So twenty steals is a ceiling with a three hundred batting average. 
that is useful in deep formats, but he is literally somebody I'm not, I would not touch outside of AO only. And like, I want Victor Reyes over him. I want Kevin Newman over him because there's more speed there. He, he's very similar to those guys as far as, you know, contact, contact rate and K and, you know, lesser carries, but he offers us upside. I think he's somebody you get in those deep leagues to help bolster your steals and batting average, which again has a place and has value in certain formats, just not mixed league relevant for me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's more of a deeply deep. He's, he was the deepest sleeper that I could um, muster up right that, now. That I could that I could muster up. So yeah, I know I I I can't argue with that. He's a he's a deeper guy for sure. Well, this leads right into what we want to talk about: the man of the hour, the, everyone's favorite player to be discussed right now. Go for it, Joe. All right. I put it on Twitter yesterday. I put Mike Clevenger's and this guy's uh, plate dis- Fangrass plate discipline stats next to each other, and they are almost, like, identical. And that is Denil- – Denil- wait, why can I not say his name now? Lamette. Denelson. Denelson, there we go. Um, Denelson Lamette. I have him out of pitchers next season that are going, honestly, that are going outside the top 100. I don't even say like around pick 200. Any pitchers that are going outside the top 100, he is the best value to get. The strikeout upside is immense. He almost had a whiff rate of 50% on his slider, which is incredible. Um, Walk rate, I think we'll, we'll see it improve as he was pitching in the zone more often last year and he was catching guys swinging outside the zone more often. He also will likely have a bat bip around league average, if not below because, because of the fly ball rate, but that will cause um, that is a concern when it comes to home runs and stuff, but players don't pull his balls very often either, which is a good thing. Um, This is a guy I'm all over. I'm, I have him ranked in the top 100. I'm gonna dra- I'm gonna make sure I have him on my team. Basically, is what I'm saying. This guy, <laughs> I literally think, and my hot, my bold prediction for the season is he finishes in the top three in Cy Young, if not wins it this season. This guy is so good, and the injury he had this season, I think, has caused people to kind of forget like that he's around. I'm. Having a hard time. I can't seem to pull up his. I'm trying to look up his Brooks baseball page. That's what I use for um, for like a few things when it comes to pitchers. I want. I have to it up if, right now. Can you say? Do you have any velocity change? Any pitch usage change as far as like percentage wise? Like how much he's throwing something? Uh, that's the type of stuff I really four, like to see. Four seam up, uh, almost one whole mile an hour. Sinker up, a whole extra mile an hour, and the changes up two miles an hour. Ooh, I almost wish he kept the change as is to, to create that bigger separation. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, hey, if he's moving up across the board, that's fine. How about pitch usage? Can you check that for me, please? Like the Let, uh, Less forcing, more sinker, and more slider. So, this which, ta- again, tangible change. Remember my favorite word? <laughs> yep. And that, the, it makes sense, too, because he used the slider more, so he's, he got more swing and misses last season. And the – the sinker is only at 17%, so it's not, I don't think it's going to like affect his strikeout potential too much. And that his ground ball rate got better last season, too. So the sinker well, and all that makes sense. And the sinker, I mean, it might, not, it might not directly result in more Ks, but I think it indirectly will because now there's a different pitch mix and there's more usage. So hitters have to 
account for that pitch now. So I'm I'm all about Lamet, and he might just be the target of a deep dive. So thank you, because all those changes, people. Let's be honest, people are going to listen to this podcast. We'll get a good, good amount, but writing is where people really, you know, tend to find your stuff and find these findings. So I don't know. I mean, you could. T- I mean, I'm not trying to steal from you, but these findings are so interesting. I really want to. I think I'm, I'm personally going to write about them. So I hope I'm not taking any future ideas out of your hands. But no, I think a lot of people are going to write about. Uh... Lament, it's, but, a matter, it's a matter of getting ahead of it is all yeah i just think <laughs> uh if you're playing a league with me you don't get him he's mine <laughs> well uh, i mean I don't, I don't i don't think i want to play any leagues with joe yeah he's a he's he's the thing is those and that's why i respect about joe is he again goes by his ranks and he's strict by him so he doesn't care about adp if his if lamette's going at one if lamette's going at 120 and he wants him at 80th overall he's taking him there i know there's no waiting joe, there's no Joe is Joe is a value killer. He kills the value on, on everyone. <laughs> well, but, but but conversely, I mean, if you're drafting with Joe, you can get bias later. And somebody like me who values bias as a second rounder still, maybe a fringe, you know, fringe second, early third rounder, I want to draft with Joe. And people like Joe because I get I get bias where I feel there's a value. So it, it works both ways with Joe. True, true. <laughs> it works both ways. You okay, might get- I, I, I just 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 to say, I love Lamette too. And you know what? I heard something like before his injury that he had. Like I don't know if we uh, um, if we've alluded to this yet already, but his spin rate is just off the charts. I think um, this is something else I heard about him. Um, and uh, you know what? He like the Padres have such a, a an embarrassment of riches again using that term in pitching because of all the pitching they have coming up as well, like Gore and Patino. Patino. Um, and Lamette, at first thought, like I was thinking of uh, of him as maybe a stopgap and maybe a uh, turn reliever, but he's just shown, uh, and I agree to just have so much potential, and and I'm and I'm loving him more than a lot of the prospects that were ranked top hundred prospects, and he was never, I don't think, a hundred pro- top hundred prospect coming up until maybe at the very end before he he got up, and he's was under the radar quite a bit in the minors compared to some of the, the all like I think they had like seven eight nine like top 100 prospects or top maybe top 150 prospects in the pitching department the Padres but he's one of them that they, they held on to and you know what he might he might be one of the top one or two of them yeah uh fastball spin uh 81st percentile and curve spin is a uh, 79th percentile and any way to see if that how much that changed from the year before by injuries uh <laughs> i'm only uh, asking I'm only asking because I'm actively working on getting better at diving into pitchers because I've gotten really strong at looking at hitters and giving my opinions on them, and I've been pretty solid with them. It's pitchers I'm still really working at, so. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Last season I told people to draft Nathan Eovaldi and Corbin Burns and Colin me, McHugh, Oh, so. me, me, and you were, me and you were podcasting for the first time ever last year during an Eovaldi start where he went like four strong, and in the fifth inning he just blew up. <laughs> that, wa- uh, watching him pitch what? was terrible last season he just cannot locate his pitches it was terrible why couldn't we been on uh Wood- woodruff instead of burns last year would have helped a lot <laughs> yeah well, i drafted well, him in one, i drafted him in one league and dropped him so i mean <laughs> i'm guilty of wood like i drafted woodruff in one league and dropped him oh i well, was you know, like the value thing with me when you guys were talking about drafting with me, the league I drafted with you guys in, I drafted a team completely of sleepers. Yes, my- <laughs> that was the purpose. That was on purpose. Your, that was your sleeper league. Uh, I remember that. That was your sleeper league draft. 
Austin right. Meadows, Austin Meadows in the first round, and I think Chris Paddock in the second. <laughs> God, I wish I would have known Pete Alonso though was going to be a starter. I didn't think he'd break with the team. I don't think anybody did, but as soon as, and that's why it benefits like somebody like Zach who was all over him in early drafts. The price, he got him so cheap, and then I had him in everywhere, like everywhere, <laughs> thirty five <laughs> leagues. I made sure to get him. I didn't care how early I had to get him. Which is crazy. I did, I did not see this, and now it's going to be fun. like when he hits two fifty with forty, people are going to be upset because they're paying. I'm I'm sorry. I think he's priced out now. Yeah, I agree. He's he's now priced out, but I I'm glad I have him in some keeper and dynasty it's leagues. Like, it's like I can get again. This goes back to my Schwarber take. I don't think Schwarber hits as many home runs, but Schwarber can hit the same batting average or similar batting average. Hit like ten fewer home runs, and I get him hundred picks later. I'll take Hoskins at the value now. Then, Hoskins, uh, see, Hoskins concerns me with that batting average, man. Any type of any other format, I want him. Points, OBP, OB, OPS, even. But man, that two hundred eight batting average, he could be Joey Gallo esque. Uh, I don't think two hundred eight. So. That's what he hit. I think it was like two hundred eight or something this year. Did, did it fall that far? It was pretty damn bad. Two twenty six. Two twenty six. Who was two? I thought he was. Two, I thought he was two forties actually. Was, somebody was 208 that I looked at then. I don't know where I found That was it. probably Dan Vogelbach. That was Vogelbach. I got Vogelbach on the brain. <laughs> <laughs> he haunts me. Uh, uh, but no, Hoskins, I will say the nice thing about him is obviously his plate discipline, but his contact rate is above average too. Um, and you don't see that often from a power hitter. He's better than what his numbers suggest. The batting average feels unlucky. What's his stat cast say? And by the way, this is going to be the last person to look up because we could do this all day, but this is a podcast at the end of the day too, so we got to keep that in mind. <laughs> so we're going to look him up. I'm going to just look up a stat cast, and we're going to call it a, a podcast. Third percentile X batting average, hard hit rate, 48th percentile. Yeah, the, okay. Oh, his expected batting average is actually lower than his actual – the thing with Hoskins, how is that possible? He his, he, his hard hit rate isn't that great, but he yeah. is a, a mince. He his fly ball rate is crazy, and his pull rate is crazy, and he plays in one of the best hitter parks in the league. He so, might he might need to change his swing back to whatever he was doing in 2017 because it seems like every year his launch angle is increased, and every year with it, his batting average has dropped. Yeah, twenty four percent launch angle is uh, average launch angle is uh, really really high. If he can go back to eighteen point four and hit two fifty, dude, I love him. Like, I'd rather have Gallo than Hoskins though. Hoskins made some changes. Or Gallo made some changes and show is showing that he could be more than a two twenty hitter. Hoskins is falling into that Gallo territory. And don't get me wrong, Hoskins around pick you know where he's going right now and draft some things like ninety ish. I think there's value there for sure, but. I'm not as optimistic. Here's as, my question with Gallo. Did did he actually make tangible changes? Because his stat cast page says he's the same type of hitter he's always I been. I think, if I remember correctly, I, I have to double check it. I'm almost positive he made um, like a batting stance change. Okay. Because I'm going to ruin a lot of people's days probably that like Gallo. His X batting average is actually lower than what it was in uh, 2018. Yeah. And I'm wondering how much of that is because he came – didn't he come – no, he got – he got hurt, came back, got hurt again. No, something happened with him. He changed his launch angle. Yeah, there's um, a lot of – it's weird because – it's weird. There's I feel like – yeah, he only had 129 batted – what? I'm just sorry. I'm just looking at his uh, numbers. I feel like – I don't know. I remember the first half. And he's another guy that I just – I don't know. 
<laughs> I really don't know. I haven't gotten to that part of my ranks yet, but it's like him or Hoskins, they're both the same player to me. I think Gallup did make a batting stance change, which led to him being more of like an all-fields hitter or at least a better hitter. But yeah, the but even with the, even with his batting average being so low on the expected side, it's still better than Hoskins expected and <laughs> actual. So like it's they're both going similarly in drafts, and I'm going to take Gallo right now. Those two even, guys are hard to rank. Because of up, like, well, they both gain so much more value in points in OBP leagues. Oh yeah, there I'll take them probably way earlier. But God, I, in Roto, they're both. Ah. You have to build for them. You have to build around. Like you have to build build up your team, able to take that. Like you pair a Tommy Edmond, or or this is where you take a Lemayhew ahead of a, a Matt Olson or something to pair with a Gallo. You know what I mean? But then again, they're probably going similarly in drafts right now. But you definitely have to plan for Gallo. Yeah, see, with Gallo, that's what I was – you know, there was a – you could tell – I mean, almost by the numbers you can tell there's a uh, – there was a swing change because you look at line drive rate, increase for the second straight year from 20% to 25. Um, the ground ball rate was down. The fly ball rate was a, a tick down, but it was – but it, it's because it went to line drive rate. So, you see the line drivers are there more. The, the launch angle was different. So, I'm almost positive that there was that – that change in stance. But other than that, I, I don't know. Like what's a, again, the X stats make it kind of wonky. A guy that's going to be tough to rank. Yeah. Wow, his chase rate dropped like 8%. His swing strike rate also that's what down. I was really encouraged by. And his swing strike rate, his strikeouts are high, but with a chase rate that dropped 8% and the swinging strike rate that dropped 2.2%, again, there's more reason for optimism in the profile. I will say I think his contact rate stayed the same, though. It was just the swinging strike rate was just because he was uh, more passive at the plate. Or actually, it's he's swing, his swing rate, his swing rate went way down. Which went- could almost be a bad thing when we're talking five by five roto and fantasy. Yeah, that, but that means he might be passive a little bit too much but- and striking out more. The cool thing is, so with all these, that's why his strikeout rate was so high. Because he, although he he went really, he dropped the swing rate a lot, but the O contact also went down, obviously. But crazy with all the con- the contact rate down, the swing rate down, and the chase rate down, all that's down, and his Z contact still went up one percent. So although he's being more selective, he's making more contact in the zone, which is which can be which can be encouraging to a point. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I mean, he's an interesting guy. Again, tough to rank, but definitely interesting. And I'd rather have him over Hoskins right now. I think I, I think I, I can say that with somewhat confidence. Not hundred percent confident, but I'm somewhat confident in that statement right now. No, I, I agree with you there. I mean, Gallo ranks around. I don't know if he's in the top fifty, but he ranks around fiftieth uh, according to my projections in the fifteen team player rater. But I just don't know if I can. Uh, get behind that <laughs> yeah like i love like my player writers what i listen to most but i just don't know if i can well even like cart Derek cardi i've I spoke to him about it and i've heard him talk about it that like he he's big on his projection system and all that and he utilizes it but he also manually adjusts things that need to be manually adjusted yeah i so, just can't <laughs> i'm just saying like you wouldn't be the only one that's like takes what spit out to you and says you know what maybe this is a little, maybe I should do this, tweak it a little bit or just for this reasoning. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like 45 home runs, seven stolen bases, a hundred, hundred season, but then it's a 228 batting average I have projected. 
Well, if the changes, like the changes he made, I don't know if you noticed, but the power projection, the power, the power production was like kind of dropping a little bit, but that also, but that came with a better batting average. So maybe he is trading off a little bit of power for batting average, which with him, I'll take the, I'll take 35 home runs and a 250 average. That's, that's pretty valuable still with hundred RBIs and 80 to hundred runs. So. so then, then he becomes Frenchy Cordero. <laughs> oh goodness! All right. Well, on that note, guys, we're gonna call it an evening. Appreciate you guys joining me. Again, I'm Mike. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. I was joined by Zach today. You can follow him on Twitter at Zach Roto and by and Joe as well. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Gentile FT. And you can find Joe and Zach right for fake teams. You can find their work on fake teams. I write for Fan Tracks. You can find my work at, over at Fan Tracks as far as the work goes. If you guys have any questions, obviously reach out to us on Twitter. We'd love to engage. But until then, guys, appreciate you guys listening, and we will talk to you soon.